don't pour into the world thinking that God made you Captain Save It All and then you have nothing left for yourself. I feel like balance is a myth and trying to find it is becomes another stressor. There's been so many reroutes in my life, in relationships and in business, um, and just so much that you've got to learn to trust that. Sisterhood. I don't know about you, but the ladies in my sister circle are so important to me. Uh, they help keep me grounded. They help keep me on track. And in this episode, I talked to just a few of the many ladies who are represented in my tribe. And they dropped some gems, y'all. I think that we've all learned to manage expectations, to trust the journey. We talked about rerouting, what that looks like, and staying true to yourself. This episode really is, well, it's sisterhood at its finest. Check it out. My father died on June 20th, 2018. I was 37 years old and suddenly everything I knew about myself was uprooted. I had so many questions and there were so many layers to peel back. Who was my daddy? And who am I as a result? What was his legacy? And what will mine be? My mantra for 2019 was happy, healthy, whole. I was determined to face my grief and heal. And my girls were there with me every single step of the way. I found strength in my vulnerability and we had open, honest, transparent conversations. And that's what we're gonna do here in this space. So grab your journal, light some candles, pour a glass of wine and get cozy. I'm Charity Bailey and girl, we need to talk. Ladies that you're going to meet today, uh, they're my girlfriends. Rakia, Kiana, and Amber. Welcome, ladies. Thanks. Hi. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, I'm happy that you're here, too. We're going to take the conversation in a bit of a different direction, because up until now, we've been talking about the loss of life when it comes to grief. Right. But there are the invisible wounds, right, that nobody really talks about and that most people wouldn't see just by looking at us or by seeing our social media feeds. Uh, they're the things that we grieve privately, the expectations, uh, the loss of love, those types of things. So we're here, we're going to start with you. When it comes to invisible wounds, what would you say is probably one of the greatest that nobody would ever really know about unless you told them? Okay, so for me, one of my biggest invisible wounds is having a divorce um, and being labeled a divorcee. Um, I was married early, uh, right out of college. I'm 41 now. Um, and, you know, when you when you look at me, you don't know um, that I've been divorced. Yeah, well, they say you don't look like what you've been through. Right. And you've been through a lot. You lost your yes. brother really early. Yeah. Uh, you've been through the divorce. Uh, mm -hmm. You've suffered a lot of loss. But mm -hmm. how did you come out of that instead of because a lot of women say that they do feel like failures? What was yeah. that process like for you? Well, I definitely felt like a failure. Um, I did not have my mom and dad together as I grew up. They got a divorce very early in my life. Um, and so I wanted to be the anomaly. I wanted to show my family a successful marriage of love. Um, and it was short lived. And so, of course, I had um, remorse. Uh, it was very sad, very difficult for me. Um, I was grieving the loss of the divorce mm -hmm. and um, it, it, it really did something to me. And it took me many, many years to get to a better headspace uh, mentally, spiritually. Um, 
but counseling, counseling was really good for me. Many, many uh, countless hours of counseling helped, um, of course, prayer and faith, but it was definitely a journey. And I had to get to a place where I did not feel shameful, where I did not feel like a failure. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Nobody says I do with the intention of getting divorced. There's the till death do us part part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you navigate that? And at what point did you go, you know what, this does not define me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it took me many years. I started counseling as soon as um, we got separated and the divorce process started. So I was in counseling um, the full two years that it took us to get a divorce. So that was big for me. And it dug deeper. It, you know, I thought it was just going to be talking about the marriage and where it may have failed, um, what to do, you know, post-divorce, but it actually dug deeper and, and, and it touched on the death of my brother um, at a very young age in his 20s. It touched on uh, my parental relationships with my mother and father. It, it touched on a lot of different things. And so that helped greatly. I wouldn't be the woman that I am today without it. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. And, and then a big piece, of course, is just my faith walk, being able to pray and stay close to that and, you know, stay encouraged and um, have my circle encourage me and uplift me and so forth. Those were the two biggest things that helped me to get through um, and get to, you know, a better place and, and um, get my head above water. So you mentioned getting your head above water. What do you think your lowest point was? <sighs> My lowest point was definitely in the beginning when it first happened, because it was just a lot that was going on at one time. We had a lot of businesses, a lot of real estate, a lot of assets. So just having to go through all of that, you, you, you never think that in your 20s, you know, when you're getting married and you're an entrepreneur and you're starting out, you're building and you're growing, that you're going to get to a place where everything halts. And you're going to have to figure that out. So so that was big for me. We had just opened a franchise. You know, um, we had several real estate businesses, just a lot going on, you know, in our young 20s. Very successful to have to go through all of that. Um, it was it was it was difficult. And then kind of still be in front of him at the same time when tensions were high and, you know, there was frustration and all of that. That was difficult you know, for me, because of course, I'd never been through it before. Um, and, and I'm very private. I didn't really, you know, share at the time with a lot of people what I was going through. So I was just trying to kind of figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and so yeah, definitely a challenge for me in the beginning until I kind of got my footing and said, Okay, this is happening. So yeah, let me figure this out. Yeah. So you Rakia mentioned getting married in her early 20s. Amber, you also got married really young uh, and you had children young, mid 20s. We were in our 20s when you got no, married. I don't right? know, maybe young. <laughs> <laughs> well, 25 is young looking uh, back. Well, well, it feels that way now, but <laughs> yeah, I got married at 25, three weeks before my 26th birthday. Yeah, see, that's young enough. Let's go there, young enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you've been married now, what, 14 years, 15 years? 14 years. Yeah. Wow. A long time. Yeah. But we, <laughs> so we often time. talk. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a good chunk of change, right? Yeah. But you mentioned before on your social media feeds that folks talk about the beginning of marriage when it's all blissful. We talk about, you know, divorce, clearly the big D word, but nobody mm -hmm. really talks about the middle. And uh, you've expressed talking about the middle and what making a relationship work looks like. And 
probably learning uh, to let go of some of those expectations, right? No, absolutely. Um, a friend of mine actually introduced that to me. My, my husband and I went through a really difficult season last year where to Rikia's point, I was contemplating the idea of divorce. And even before you take any steps towards that, just the thought of it can feel like I failed, yeah. especially yeah. after being married for so long. And in talking to a friend about that, she said, you know, no one really talks about being in the middle. You guys are in the middle. And she mm -hmm. said, honestly, I don't know a couple who's not in the middle. Mm. And that really sat with me. And so I posted when we had our anniversary post, you know, the obligatory <laughs> <laughs> anniversary post on Instagram. I didn't post a picture of us on our wedding day as people tend to do. It was just a picture of both of our knees sitting in the lobby of our therapist's office. And mm -hmm. I said, this is what the middle looks like because we've been in therapy now, couples therapy for about a year and a half. And mm -hmm. I said, this is what, again, being in the middle looks like. It's the, the, the daily effort that it takes to work on a marriage in between those Instagrammable moments. Well, I, I, I think that we do other people a disservice when it's like, look at us, we're so happy. When it's like, girl, you don't even like him. Like, y'all don't even talk, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Hashtag I do my normal. best to try to be honest about that. And, you know, and it's good that you mentioned that, Kiana, because for my birthday this year, I just turned 40 and he really went all out for my birthday and I shared about it on social media. And people were like, oh, relationship goes. I was like, that, that, that. <laughs> this year, on my birthday, on my actual birthday a year ago, we went to a therapy session. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, and I was like, yeah, before y'all celebrate, I mean, this is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But please know <laughs> that this was also a journey. And I think that people appreciate that. That yeah. it's not just like, oh, look what my husband did for me. And it's great. And I wanted to acknowledge that. And he did that with Cherry's help. Um, hey. But it's also about <laughs> showcasing again, what it's like to be in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Love that. Yeah, me too. And the thing is, Kiana did mention couple goals. We use that so loosely, not knowing what people are going through personally, mm -hmm. or, you know, privately and personally in their relationship, but also battling with themselves, right? right and so yeah you're bringing both of those worlds into battle. And so I appreciate that you are sharing that part of it too, Amber, because people do, they take social media as, you know, Bible. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Amber, for being so candid, uh, both with me personally and on social media. Uh, we're gonna come back to another part of your story, but you mentioned the journey and Kiana is right there, as we talk about in the middle of her journey. Uh, what are some of the things that you've dealt with that folks might not know about as you move over into this new space of entrepreneurship? Absolutely. So um, there is so much to consider. And it's so funny because all of the ladies here also, you know, have have blossomed into entrepreneurship and pursuing their dreams. But in the pursuit of me just doing more and um, growing more in this life, I have been sort of shedding expectations that I think people have of me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would, I would almost say like expectations people do have, but I have to put that, I think people have of me, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of the times we, we take on expectations in our head, just based off of maybe what we 
had been doing and we don't know that we can change them just by changing them like we have all the control so i, I you know just thinking about you know where i want to go and where i want to be it all stems back to like who i have been to other people in the beginning i've been the oldest i've been the the youngest friend who everybody says is the mama in every group that I run in. Um, I've been the one that was like, you know, I've had people when I went to my class reunion, like, we know you was gonna make it. We always knew you was gonna make it. Um, you know, I, I show up in job spaces, et cetera, as myself, but sometimes, you know, I take on too much of making sure everybody else is okay before myself, right? Mm -hmm. And I just think that you know, I thought it was something, it was an expectation other people were holding me to, but it's really an expectation that I'm holding myself to. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that is something that I feel like I am learning so heavily these days. It's like, you cannot be all things to all people before you literally just take care of yourself. There's that saying of, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So, mm -hmm. you know, don't pour into the world thinking that God made you captain save it all and then you have nothing left for yourself you know and and when i say nothing left for yourself i'm not even just talking about energy i'm talking about like your dreams and like actually making those things possible like actually thinking that you could make entrepreneurship possible yeah. or actually thinking that you could uh see yourself doing something that is completely different at 30 like i told people today you can completely change your career path in your 40s in your 50s like yeah. there is no standard for which you should be following life other than the one that you feel most authentic authentically to follow so yeah. that is uh the thing that you know people see the smile people see the posts and the inspiration but i am trying to get rid of the picture perfect um and perfectionist bug that has plagued me most of my life <laughs> yeah and at least you're doing it at 30. i think the important part of this conversation too is that all of us are in different stages and phases of our lives. And my dad used to say, you know, as long as you got time from the clock, you can win. And that's yeah. been playing in my head so much lately because we think that once one thing is over, that is the end. You know, yeah. I lost my career completely, went off into marketing. I did not think I would be back in this space as a national television host. It was over. But really, nothing is really over until yeah. it's over. And Kim, right. to your point, yeah, and to your point about um you know things changing it's like listen as long as you're alive things are going to change but you can reroute Absolutely. and um it sounds like we've all had to reroute and i think that's that's what i really want to impress upon women who are watching yeah. this you know is right. that you're free to change your mind to change your career yeah. path to you know do whatever it is that you want to do within reason and and <laughs> be free and, and, and in how you're doing it, you know, like it just, there's no blueprint. They used to tell us about that five-year plan. What's your five-year plan? Listen, I had a whole plan, child, and that plan went, whew. but Didn't the beauty, all. yes, what were some of your plans, Rakia? <laughs> well, of course, to continue to stay married, to have children, you know, to just, to just have this whole different career path and so forth. Um, you know, and I'm grateful for my journey. Um, but again, nobody thought, you know, that I would get a divorce. I wanted to be married. I actually loved and enjoyed being married. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but but it but it takes two, um, you know. So one of the things that I posted earlier this year was trust the reroute. Mm -hmm. 
And mm. that spoke volumes to me because when I yes. tell you that there's been so many reroutes in my life, in relationships and in business, um, and just so much that you've got to learn to trust that, especially if you're a believer, mm. you know, that mm. all things truly are going to work out for yes. your good and yeah. to have mm-hmm. faith, which means that we don't know how it's going to turn out, but we can have a good mindset, um, you know, and, and, and set goals and do what we know to do and just trust that it's going to all come together at a you know point in time when it's supposed to so trusting that I have become comfortable being uncomfortable um you know um so again trusting the reroute that's something that I posted earlier this year that has kind of stuck with me and mm-hmm. I think about that often um and so if we can lean into that and trust that reroute when we don't necessarily know how things are going to end up when we are frustrated when we are you know upset sad whatever it may be um, get to a point of being able to get to a resolve and be calm and figure it out. It it always turns out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And it's easier said than done. Like, let's yeah. be very clear. Like For you sure. learned to trust the reroute, right? Cause Absolutely. It, I mean, the reroute is going to happen whether you fall into it or you go kicking and screaming. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like, like I said, when I was going through my divorce, you know, the beginning was the hardest part because I had to figure all this out. You know, um, I had employees, I I had a lot that was going on. And so I had to get my footing and get it together and, you know, shed my tears after I left the office and um, pray at night and do what I had to do. Um, You know, and and we won't have all of the answers. And a lot of times we're figuring it out, figuring it out along the way, you know, on the journey. so yeah, all the time, <laughs> all the time. Uh, you figuring it out over there, Kiana? I am. You know, it was in high school that I ran across the quote by Ben Sweetland: "Success is not a destination; it is a journey." Yes, it is in my signature. It is like the thing that like I hold on to because I think for a long time, many of us like have this uh, this misconception that like we're gonna get to a place and everything is gonna be all good. Right. But like what happens after you graduated from college? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like twiddling your thumb and you go to work at Sherwin Williams just because you need a job. You're working yeah. at Curves, child. <laughs> <Come on>. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. I'm so mad every day. <laughs> Listen, what happens when you get the jobs that pay you the money? And you hate being there. Yeah. <laughs> Your husband right. happy in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I got rid of the place, like the singular place of success. And I just focused on like the journey. And like to Rakia's point, like the reroutes have happened time at the time and time after time again. And I actually have like this new philosophy that like 95% of things are not going to go the way that you want them to go, but they still turn out fine. Yeah. So you always have to be willing to pivot and be like a chameleon and just be flexible because life is going to just always throw you curveball. At least in my life, I feel like it's curveballs galore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is that what I, something that has been impressed upon my heart is that no experience is ever wasted. Facts. Mm. We don't know yes. how it's going to benefit us in the, in the future, but like Rikia said, if we just dial into the process and just know that that's just part of it. Uh, when I experienced about with depression last year, I, I remember praying about it and I felt like God said to me, I just need you to stay here. 
I know that it hurts and it's uncomfortable, but I need you to sit here. And instead of trying to be like, oh, take it away, I just said, okay, let me sit here. Not even because there's something I'm supposed to be learning, but this is just where I have to be right now. And again, no experience is ever, no reroute, no detour is ever wasted. I agree. I agree. I don't want us to enforce the idea that like, trauma is necessary because I do think that's one thing in black communities that we hold on to is like, you know, the pain, the struggle, but honestly, like we learn through our experiences. Right. Absolutely. So to, to your point, Amber, like you don't know how high you can go until you know how low you can go. Yeah. And so, um, one of my mentors always says joy and pain hey, and, hey, sunshine yeah, hey. and rain you gotta have both pump it up, to pump it up now how, <laughs> how yeah, good you, you, got is. Raw base. <laughs> you got both oh, versions I'm the, I'm the raw base part of me <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah man listen that's um, true it is true though it is very true very true. And also, I mean, every time you're rerouted, something amazing is going to come out of it. Like you mentioned, Amber, the experience, the reroute brought all of you because I rerouted when I was 19 and I met Amber and we've been friends since. And then everything fell apart. <laughs> and in 2012, I moved to Oakland. I met a beautiful group of friends. And then in 2014, I rerouted again and I met Rakia in Charlotte. And then that was like hell on wheels, but I met a whole bunch of great friends and experienced a great city. And then I moved to Phoenix to uh, be a host on Right This Minute. And everything was great work-wise and I was completely unhappy. And like, wait a minute, now I have everything in line. I can be who I want to be. You know, I can be myself on television. You know, I make great money. And now suddenly, crap. I hate living here. And then I met Kiana. (laughs) (laughs) And so it all makes sense, even though it's chaotic and it doesn't feel good. But then the pieces start to match up and you go, huh. And then the experience also you can take with you and give it to somebody else. Yeah, that's a big piece for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of what I've gone through, you know, a lot of my clients and stuff will have conversations and I'll end up sharing my testimony and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going through the same thing or they're in tears over the phone and saying, thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story. So, you know, um, when I was going one, through one of my darkest times in my marriage, um, I had a, a moment where I said, this isn't just for me, you know, mm. this isn't just for me. Um, and so to be able to share those stories, you know, with women and with people that are just kind of experiencing some of the same things that I have in life, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it it brings me joy that there was purpose in that, um, and not Mm -hmm. to necessarily stay there to say, Hey, I had to go through all that, you know, like Kiana said with the whole trauma thing, but, you know, um, there, there's beauty, you know, in all of that, in, in those broken pieces. And so, um, I think that's what bonds us all together, um. And brings purpose to life. Yeah. Uh, there's a scripture, and I'm paraphrasing this, is we're healed by the power of our testimony. And yeah. Amber, uh, in addition to all of the other things that you've been up to <laughs> over the years, uh, you had a mommy blog. Uh, and you would, you know, write about your experiences as a mom. And um, I'll let you tell everybody about it. But 
you were able to share with other moms who experienced the very same thing. Yeah, I, uh, like you were mentioning earlier, getting married at 25, I was the first of our friend group to get married. Mm -hmm. And we had our first child four years later. So we took some time before we started having kids. But so I was 30 when I became a mom. And I didn't have any mommy friends. And it was difficult for me because motherhood just, as beautiful of a, of a journey and an experience it was, it was very lonely and isolating because I didn't feel like I had any of my closest friends I could share in this new experience with. And I used to say, I, I, I kind of felt like I was living in the museum. Like my friends would come and be like, oh, you had a baby, how cute. And they'd wow. stare at it and then they'd all go home. Wow. And that was really yeah. difficult for me because it was just like, wow, just uh, stay. And, and y'all kind of did that to me too when I got married. Y'all don't want to invite me places and stuff. And I'm like, I'm just married. I don't have, well, now we're in a pandemic. I was about to say, I don't have to play. I used to be like, I'm still a person. Right? Y'all, you married now. So it was the same thing again when I had kids. So I had to seek out community and I had yeah. to find other people, other women who I could identify with. And I started mm. reading mommy blogs and then I decided, well, I had already had a blog of my own at that time. And I decided to start another one that was devoted exclusively to my journey into my first year of motherhood. And it led me to some of my deepest and most intimate relationships now, even still now in, in this season. And I'm really grateful for that because when you're we're talking about invisible wounds here. And my, I remember feeling sad over my birth story because I didn't give birth the way I wanted to. I wanted to have a natural birth, but I ended up having a cesarean. It's something special to talk about to someone who understands exactly what that feels like. And yeah. so taking that journey, and like we're talking about with uh, Rikia, what she said a second ago about her testimony, uh, the telling of our stories really does help bond us. Yeah. And so it, I think we're all looking, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, essentially, we're just looking for someone else to be like, wow, you yeah. too? Mm -hmm. yeah. I get you. And that's what I being a writer you. and sharing my journey yeah. uh, offered for me. It's the I get you, I see you, I feel you, I understand you, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And you're not alone. Yeah. And for the record, I can't speak for everybody else. I wasn't trying to isolate you. I think I was trying to be respectful because here we are 14 years later and I'd be like, hello, can you come out to play? Okay, bye. <laughs> Before we were like, you know, well, Amber's married now. Now we're like, Amber's married. He got the kids. Come on, let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus too, I, we'll see. And I think that that's important. I mean, since we're talking about girlfriends and sister friends and friendship, mm -hmm. you, it was new for all of us. Nobody yeah. knew what that was going to look yeah. like and what that was going to be like. It's like, well, you know, you're married now, so you got to be home. And it's like, well, I, no, I can leave. Like, I'm not his property, you know. But we had to go through that together. And I remember going to visit you in, in one year. And that was the first time I got a chance to just be Amber again. Mm. and not be a wife and not be a mom. I could put those titles down and just be with my girlfriend who's known me before my name changed and my whole life changed. And curating that space for me by you still seeing me as myself 
um, has just been a blessing over all of this time. I'll leave these kids in a heartbeat. You know that. I'll, just, well, I'll be back. Mommy got Auntie go. love you. I'm taking your <laughs> yeah. mama. Bye. <laughs> and now they know. So when we came to visit and we got to meet Kiana. We swam in your pool. My kids, my little one, she was like, we're going to Auntie Arizona because she thought her name was Arizona <laughs> <laughs> and not Charity. And, you know, now we get to experience that together as extended family. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yes. And it's it's important to have people who 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 see you, uh, Rikia. Who were the people who kind of just held you and didn't allow you to wear the title of you know divorce or any of the other titles, failure or whatever, uh, right. as you were going through that? Yeah, I was just about to say and piggyback off of Amber that you know sisterhood I think really is a part of self care um, mm. because I was able to be myself and vulnerable and open um, you know to many of my best friends. Um, you know, my aunts, my sister, and, 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 and I needed that, you know, and they were there for me, um, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually praying for me, pushing me, encouraging me, you know, taking me to dinner, uh, taking me, you know, on trips and stuff like that, I think is so important. Um, and they were a part of my journey of nursing myself back to health. Um, and so, you know, I definitely think that the sisterhood, the community, the friendships um, are part of self-care. Uh, as black women, we often say, you know, we all we got because we carry yeah. each other and everybody else, child. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think Kiana mentioned it earlier. Some of that self-care is also shedding everybody else, too, and choosing you first. And Kiana, I know you chose yourself when you decided to, you know, get up and venture out into the world and leave home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a hard decision, right? Um, I often say that, you know, when we go out into the world and present ourselves as adults, whenever that might be, you know, we really are just our child selves. So I've, I'm still big sister Kiana, who's always trying to make sure my sister and brother are okay, right? But that looks different from when we lived in the same house and same quarters, where now I live in Arizona and my sister lives in Charlotte and my brother lives in Tennessee, mm -hmm. um, you know, and with sort of like that distance and that thing that you carry that you think you're supposed to be to everybody all the time. And my brother and sister, they always, they get me real good. Cause like one time I said, I need to go to school to get a master's so that I could be an example for my sister and brother so they can go get their master's too. My brother said, I probably have my master's before you and I'm going to get it anyway. Right. So reality wow. check, like who you doing this for? Right. Yeah. Like he's going to be great regardless. Right. And like, let him live his own experience. If he went, if he won his masters, great. If he didn't want it even better, you know, like let people do what they want to do. But I say all of that just to say that it's difficult to, and you know what I'm talking about charity. Like when you have to make those, those big risky choices and you're contemplating, well, my family, they're all the way over there. Uh, mm -hmm. My family did not want me to move to Arizona when I moved. Um, I remember when I left my first job, right after Trump got elected. Um, that was, it was like, why would I leave? I'm doing great, but I'm not happy. And I know that there's something else that I wanna do. And the more that I stall on it, the longer it's gonna take for me to get started on the journey that I know I wanna go on. Here we are five years later. You know, and time ruins so fast. So you just have to, um, I think there's a healthy balance of like taking care of yourself and not being like super selfish either of like, don't bother me. I'm doing me. It's all about me. 
I'm not, you know, don't take it that far, but you often just might be in cycles of thinking about everybody else around you when everybody else around you is thinking about themselves. Case in point, mm. my brother, he, he had, he didn't have me to think about, <laughs> about when right. it came to his education. So you got to just like take back the reins and like recalibrate, refocus and understand, like, I got to live for me, period. Yeah. Absolutely. To thine own self be true. Facts. Yeah, buddy. You did say some key things, though, Kiana. You mentioned choosing yourself and finding balance. And Amber, how do you do that when you're juggling so much, right? You're mm -hmm. a woman first. You're a wife. You're a sister, a daughter, a mommy, a friend, a doctorate student now, an entrepreneur, an employee at the same time. Like, how do you juggle all these things and meet everybody's needs and your own? Mm. Uh, I, I let go of the idea of balance. Oh. I feel like balance is a myth. And trying to find it is becomes another stressor mm. because if what what does balance even look like yeah. when you're trying to do all of those things that those roles that you listed off require and take care of myself and drink water and exercise and <laughs> pray and meditate it, it's just impossible so what it looks like for me I, I just reframe it as priorities uh, who yeah. or what needs my time and attention the most today? Yeah. Some days that's school. Some days that's my kids. Some days it's work. Some days it's my husband. Some days it's me. Some days it's God. Some days it's my family, my friends. And being able to allow myself space to look at it that way, it also helps me to dial into the truth that I'm just not going to be able to meet all of my obligations every single day. And it's just, can I get my priorities taken care of that are right in front of me and, and, and give my best? So that way I'm not looking for this place in my life where I feel that everything is working in harmony. It's like Shonda Rhimes said in her book, Year of Yes, that if I'm succeeding in one area of my life, you can guarantee that I'm failing in another. Right, right. Yeah. And I think for some folks, it, that, that does ring true and it does for me on some levels for sure. So what do you say to women who are newly married or to new mommies who have the expectations about breastfeeding and like the gloriousness of mommyhood who suddenly get this shock that's like, oh, wait, this is not what they told me? Yeah, well, I think that that is the advice. None of it's going to be the way you thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And that's OK, because the beauty of it is being able to decide for yourself what you want it to be. I struggled with breastfeeding. I thought I was going to be able to nurse my children, but that was very difficult for me. You think just logistically, it's pretty easy, but it hurts. And it was very difficult and I wasn't producing enough milk. And that was another invisible wound that I carried because I was feeling like a failure on top of having to have surgery to give birth. Now my body's not functioning properly. So any new mom or newlywed, I would say, especially if you have a partner, talk to each other about what you want this to look like mm -hmm. because it's really the two of you who have to live it every day. So your mama can say one thing, your daddy, another, your pastor, a third, but at the end of the day, it comes down to what you both want for your life together. And as a parent, what you want for your family, what you feel is best for your children and learn to just be okay with those decisions. Kind of like Kiana was saying earlier, just not, feeling like you have to do things to appease other people and just do what you feel is right and what's best for you. Yeah. 
That's that's the great advice. So, Rakeem, what do you say to women who are fielding the questions about marriage or remarriage, you know, trying to make their way through divorce, trying to figure out if they are ever going to get married and have children? What do, what do you say to them? What have you learned along the way? Oh, my goodness. I've, I've learned a lot, um, you know, but one of the biggest things is just to be true to yourself, you know, and to listen, listen to that gut, you know, um, because a lot of times we make choices and decisions, you know, based off of what we think other people may like or want for us. And so, you know, this whole conversation right now is just beautiful because um, it's huge for us to listen to our own voice and, you know, to to be true to us. And that's one of the things that I learned throughout the journey, um, you know, because um, it's important uh, that we live authentic to who we are and what we want our lives to look like, um, because if not, it's, it's just it's just miserable, um, you know, and to do whatever they need to do to get to a place of solace and peace of mind and just, you know, knowing for sure that this is something that they want to do and definitely taking your time and not rushing it's big for me, you know, um, not being anxious for, for any of it, whether it's children or marriage or, you know, whatever it is, because if it's supposed to be, it will be, and you rushing and being anxious is not going to, you know, make it any better because you could end up in a situation you really aren't supposed to be in, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I often say, Rakia, that you're my calm friend. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because, I mean, you've learned to just, ride it out uh you often seek peace and oh i'm impatient i'm like Rah! and you're like it's okay baby it's gonna be fine yeah like, it's gonna work itself out and yeah mean, nothing surprises me you know anymore mm -hmm. um you know even with business and just a lot of things that i go through it's high intensity high stress you know with the accounting firm um with real estate clients or what have you and God has just given me the ability to just really um, pull from a place of strength because of the resilience that I've had to have in life um, and, and just really, you know, take a step back and look at things and not get over emotional and not get, you know, over anxious and all yes. of that stuff. Um, but that's learned. That's not something mm -hmm. that I just automatically had, um, you know, and, and again, that big faith piece for me is, is huge, you know, and, yeah. and just allowing things to naturally evolve and knowing that, okay, me getting worked up is not going to help this thing, this situation one way or another. So let me just kind of chill out. And of course, like you said, it's easier said than done. Um, but eventually you get it and you become yeah. better and better and better. And you are able to be at a place of peace in the midst of chaos. Yeah. My daddy used to say, just keep living. <laughs> yes, it's so true. So yeah. true. And my mom is super calm all the time, but that's because her and God, they got a thing going on. But again, that comes with the... Um, you know, the maturity side of it and weathering the storms. Uh, Kiana, we're going to wrap up with you. You mentioned your inner child earlier. So mm -hmm. as you continue to make your way around the world and figure out the business side of things, what would you say, what would your inner child say <laughs> to you right now, today? Instead of us talking to your inner child, what would your inner child say to adult you? Wow, what a question. Because obviously... Y'all know nothing about my childhood, but it was crazy. Um, and it was great. It was the breeding grounds for who you see today. And uh, my inner child would probably say, Keon, you know what? You all right. <laughs> That's like real Southern and, and, and casual. But um, I don't think I've ever had a problem with who I was as a person. Again, it's just 
that as I look back, it's like you you put so many other people and things before you and what you want to do. So like they would be very proud to hear that, you know, thank you for finally putting some parts of yourself first. Like, sure, you're a giver. Sure, God created you to be somebody who pours into the earth, but like none of that happens. Like when you go all the way to 0% and now you take in days or months or in to try to just like recharge up to even just like go back into the world and, and, and feel like, oh, I'm back at myself again. Like COVID has taught me this too, like, like crazy example, but I'll say it. Since March, my eyebrows haven't been done or had not been done because they're done now. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> But I, I literally was like looking into the mirror at myself, like, God, I need to get my eyebrows done. God, girl, you look bushy. And like that perpetual kind of like slight negative self-talk that you're doing, because now you're like, but I got to work, but I'm home, so I got to cook. But like something as simple as like, you know, you like your eyebrows done and you haven't gotten them done. And now you look a mess and now you're like perpetuating that in your mind. like. It's those things that you like got to pay attention to it. It, it doesn't come in like these big flash of a moment type situations. It's literally sometimes like the teeniest thing that you can adjust to just make sure like you're taking care of yourself. So my inner child is like rooting for me for finally like trying to work through my communications issues because they are plentiful um, and just really trying to heal, heal on all the things that, you know, circle in my in my big head because, you know, I think a lot. And um, sometimes that's a gift and a curse. So I think that's where we would stand. I think we all identify with that, but she's proud of you and we are too. <laughs> Thanks, God. So the entire premise of uh, this web series has been clearly about my dad and the ladies though, in particular in my life who have held me down. And uh, I have so many really good girlfriends in different cities. Uh, but I appreciate the three of you for representing the entire tribe. For those of you who don't know, uh, Kiana was with me the night my dad passed and Amber has been with me, you know, every step of the way. And Rakia, you were, I, you know, I take my timeouts and where I needed to take my timeout the first, you know, few months after he passed. And you guys really just sheltered me. Uh, and Amber graced me with the quote that uh, grief is just love with nowhere to go. And after I took that in, it really just reminded me that like I am loved in so many spaces and that y'all love me and all of me, my, my wounds that people see and the things that folks don't see, y'all have just always been there to like shield me. And um, I think one of you mentioned it earlier, you know, we shield each other. And so uh, we've all suffered great losses so um, not only the expectations of life and all of those things, but we've lost loved ones. I know that Amber and Kiana have lost their grandmothers and Rakia, you lost your brother really early. So we're going to toast to them. We're going to toast to love and life and to the reroute. How about yes. that? Yes. <laughs> That's it. All righty. I love you, ladies. Cheers. Love you. Too. Cheers. 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 On the next girl, we need to talk. Right, and we have these before and after pictures of you. Was there any space or are there any spaces where you grieve your old self? Yes, very much, um, but in a, in a strange way. And I say that because I used to be so mean to her. 
I looked, I, I, I was, and, mm -hmm. and, and I never really realized how mean I was to her. I look back and I wish I would have been nicer to her um, mm. because she, she dealt with a lot of stuff. And so I, I grieve that part of it. I, I wish that I would have talked to her better. I mm. wish that I would have focused on taking care of her. And that's the other piece of it is that I did it for all the wrong reasons to begin with. Right. Yeah. And, and I think about how I should, I should have focused my attention on the fact that I loved her so much that I wanted yes. to take better care of her. Thank you for listening to Girl We Need to Talk. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Want to watch the show? Be sure to subscribe to the Miss Charity Bailey YouTube channel and connect with me across all social media platforms at Miss Charity Bailey.